let's talk, let's move on now and talk about why this week the Karma Club is trying to figure out women's empowerment. It might seem obvious, but every time something happens, uh, women bear the brunt of it. And two weeks ago, we left Afghanistan and we left a lot of women behind that we had promised we were going to give a different life. And now we don't know actually what is going to happen to those women because the only way we can find out is to believe the publicity that the Taliban is putting out. And while I am a very karmic person and I believe that I can put out a good vibe toward the Taliban and they'll put back a good vibe toward me, I'm also not a stupid person. And so I know that this is a very complex issue. So, Afghanistan is one thing that happens that raised this topic in my mind. The second one, of course, is Texas and its abortion decision. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm not a person who necessarily loves the idea of accessible abortion, I, but I am a person who loves the idea of choice. And the idea of criminalizing somebody uh, at six weeks and making it impossible for them. Well, I'll tell you my private story. My private story is the first time I got pregnant, I wasn't married. Um, and so, of course, I didn't want to think that I was pregnant. And so, of course, I didn't really know or or believe or admit that I was pregnant until I was, you know, quite pregnant, like three or four months. And then I went and said, you know, abortion was not legal in Arizona at the time. And so I went and said, well, I'd like to go to California and have an abortion. And the man that I was not married to, but whose child it was, said, I would like you to keep the child. And we had a level-headed, we were two PhDs, so we had a level-headed adult discussion. And as a result, I am the parent of two daughters. So, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not all for abortion, but I, I'm so lucky that I had the choice. And that is what I think has been taken away from women through this Texas law. And the third thing that I feel has disadvantaged women, again, is COVID. Because when the children can't go to school, who stays home and takes care of them? It's women. So we've lost, we've lost, somebody made um, a statement that we've lost 20 years of progress in women in the workforce. So I've set the stage. Those are the three things that drove me to today's, today's room. 
And I'd like to hear you all weigh in on whether those are meaningful to you, as meaningful to you, differently meaningful, you know, like, how do you, what, what do you think? Billy, I've invited you up. Yeah, hi. Because I've invited you up because you raised your hand. Yeah. So. Well, I just am so excited to hear that Texas will not have any rapists anymore. The governor said he was going to remove all the rapists. I was so. I was <laughs> Where's so, he putting them? Yeah, well, and, and by the way, Texas has one of the worst collections of unexamined rape kits in the country. It's pretty clear that uh, women are not valued in Texas or, frankly, anywhere, anywhere at all. I mean, if this isn't time to realize that a civilized people, the patriarchy is just toxic and needs to be destroyed. It's who are we? Texas has made it clear that we've been asleep and we've been letting these states run by repugnant ones, not Republicans, but repugnant ones. We're letting them get away with basically murdering women because we know we're not being able to find medical care you choose ends up. We are, we are lost and I am frustrated. You sound like me. I I have been frustrated. All that's why I made this room. I mean, I just don't understand it. I absolutely don't understand how these things can happen. But I see. I believe that the reason they happen, Billy, and thank you for your comment. And, I, and it's very nice to meet you. Um, the reason why they happen is that we ignore things. We ignored Afghanistan for years and years because because um, we don't have a draft. So the people who were over there as soldiers on our side were people who enlisted. So those of us who, you know, ignored it were able to ignore it because it was like, well, if they want to do that, that's fine. But it doesn't concern me. But at the end of the day, it does, especially if we are women and uh, and i i don't like to say everybody in the patriarchy you know should be taken out and shot because obviously you're a nice guy Heyman's a nice guy probably andre's a nice guy so you know let's figure out what we can do you know, I'm frustrated too, but there must be some ways that we can address this that would help the situation rather than just endlessly discuss it. Stop voting for Republicans. They don't honor women at all. Okay, well, that that appears to be true, but that takes the conversation into partisanship and yeah. keeps it in America. Andre. Oh, I mean, I was going to, like, talk about the whole Texas thing and all that. I mean, an interesting fact, it, it often is framed as a war on women and all that. But if you look at voting statistics, 48% of women in Texas vote for these dudes who are basically super pro-life and all of that. And that's a conversation I feel like needs to be had as well. 
Well, I, I I do too, and here's and here's why. I think the 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 nomer is a misnomer. These dudes are not pro life because if they were pro life, then they would have health insurance for these children. They would have signed on somehow. Uh, forgive me. I mean pro life in the American context. <laughs> You mean pro-life till the baby is born and then pick yourself up by your bootstraps before you can walk. I mean, that's, that's, that's really the issue. Barbara, it's nice to see you. I haven't seen you in a minute. Do you want to contribute something? Hi, Francine. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that's being said and I just joined so I haven't caught the whole thing I don't know how long your room has been on but I mean I work in this space and I've been doing it for 30 years I you know but I, I just reminds me when I was working with Tony Blair and uh, you know in the UK and they had an abortion committee and it was all men that were making the decision you know and I, I prodded them I said wait a minute is there something wrong with this picture you know half the sky you know 50% of women and you don't have a single one. And he had 50% of women in parliament, right? And they, they shifted right away. They completely got it. And they shifted right away. Same, same thing happened in Canada. There's some kind of trance that's happening in the U.S. that I don't get. I mean, it's just unbelievable what they don't know. They don't know. Trance. But it is a trance, Francine. Yeah. You know, it's like. It's amazing. Like they're just stuck with their own paradigm, what they know they know or what they think they know, right? Based on some really bizarre interpretations and not really understanding the context of women at all, like completely blind to it. It just blows my mind. It really does. I'm but done but even, even Billy yeah. or, or Andre just said that 48% of women in Texas voted for these guys. You know, now, now that's an interesting proposition. But I do want to say on the good side of things that Mexico, which is a predominantly Catholic country, has absolutely put us on the spot by decriminalizing abortion. Dr. Fran? Well, I know I think a lot of Texas women will be crossing the border. Um I think this is a really complex and layered topic. I think that, you know, a lot of people that have spoken and hello for Dr. Francine and hello, Heyman. Um, a lot of the people up here have spoken um, about very good reasons for why these inequities exist. But, you know, I, I don't think it's about right to life. I think it's about men fearing women being too powerful and there is a biological inequity that we cannot avoid if men could get pregnant i think we wouldn't be having this discussion right now um so you know so i think that there is a, a biological destiny that exists in in you know that that women are the ones who have babies um i i don't my grandmother died because of a botched abortion um you know and and i i you know, and I, I carried that all my life. My mother, you know, would tell me about that a lot. Uh, I, I just, 
don't think that other people should have the right to make health decisions about my body. And it really, really, really upsets me. I think that the Taliban are going to go right back to what they were doing with women. And it's really because uh, a lot of this, um, and I'm sorry if this offends some people, a lot of this has to do with orthodoxy of religion. Uh, In almost any orthodox religion that you look into, Women are subservient. And I think that that may even play into the 48% of the people that are, um, you know, of the women that that are uh, pro-life in Texas, that they are handmaids to their to their husbands. And uh, and I'm going to shut up because I'll just start babbling now. No, actually, that's a good point that uh, Dr. Fran raised, because I think uh, sometimes what I always worry about is basically putting people into camps and saying this is a red thing, this is a blue thing. Because if you look at the stats... It actually shows in the Democratic Party itself, in the older generation, they actually are in agreement with the conservatives and the moderates, right? So this is an issue that is beyond party politics as well. I mean, yes, I think one thing I was looking up some stats for you, Francine, is that they talked about uh, the recent article in Pew Research Center. They actually looked through four topics, right, that are important for Americans. And they said abortion, healthcare, illegal immigration, and economic policies. And if you look at the stats, it's not that different it's um it seems like abortion is 70 percent on the democratic side 64 percent against on the uh on the republican side but then healthcare, they both agree on, that's the biggest strongest uh agreements on illegal immigration their agreement economic policies those are have much more precedence but i'm curious to also know why do you continually use even in canada we're using it as this as a sort of an election platform or to sway people i don't know i don't even know why it comes up I, I really don't know why it comes up, and I, and I have a theory, but when I when I put this theory out, you know, feel free to have at me because I I, I have no. It's a theory, and my my theory is, men are scared, because women can now the one thing men had was their ability to, you know, impregnate women and give them babies and, you know, keep them barefoot and pregnant or whatever. But, but, but basically, the man was useful, if nothing else, as, a, as an economic breadwinner and, second of all, as a sperm donor. Now, women can have babies without a relationship with men and and uh, there's all kinds of surrogacy and ways where a, a woman who wants a baby, um, you know, doesn't you know doesn't need a man. And I think men are feeling threatened by this. And insecure. Way- insecure, right? Cheryl, stop way in here. Um, is this only for U.S. context or? No. Okay. We started um, inclusive, inclusive. Afghanistan. <laughs> okay, so I think most of you should know that I'm a Singaporean based in Tokyo. So um, I'm not sure. Is Singapore the only place where women has, a, has an advantage? Not the reason why I say this is our men, uh, our boys in Singapore need to serve uh, two years, at least two years penitentiary national service. 
So uh, if you compare peers, um, usually the ladies have two years advantage, uh, you know, from their classmates when it comes to their, well, when, 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 after, after they graduate and go into society, right? So, um, well, we, we, have no, we have no choice in Singapore because we are small and we have limited people. So our founding, our founding father, uh, father, I mean, Lee Kuan Yew, he made uh, a decision that, um, you know, there has to be gender equality in Singapore. So ladies and um, boys and girls are given, uh, given equal, e- equal opportunity in terms of uh, education and uh, career prospects. And there's a quote from him, actually. The only difference between men and women workers are the physical and biological ones. Women are equal to men in intellectual capacity. And societies which do not educate and use half their potential because they are women are those which will be the worst off. So that's from him. So I, I don't know. Um, but I always have to push back on that. I don't know whether men the... is feeling insecure or are they feeling that, you know, if really men stand up, and really women stand up, they will be defeated. But at least, you know, if you are a man, be gentleman and give your woman a fair playing field. But do they have the permission of men to, you know, be fair and be gentle sort of thing? Because I think the problem also in Singapore is this is what the report came out by the AWARE unit. They actually said their research has shown that women are underpaid. And oftentimes there's a lot of uh, violence against women supporting uh, in the women's centers and sexual assault centers. Um, so it's not it's a global problem. Honestly, I don't know where you get the report. It's from, from your Singapore okay, government, actually. It's from your yeah, Singapore from government. From my own experience, yeah. Yeah. from my own experience, uh, I'm always being paid more than my peers. That's... I think it really depends on the capability and uh, well, whether because you can't really uh, compare apple to apple, right? So, but I'm just telling you, there is a as a as a, as a man in in Singapore. If you, you can ask any any guys in Singapore, they always feel. I mean, you know, if you come, they 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 have. The, the woman, I mean, the, the people they go to school with, the, the ladies have two years advantage compared to the men. So if you're comparing the same thing, I think, uh, yeah, that's not a fair statement. Okay, so Barbara is a global expert and founder of Gender Intelligence, Inclusion, and Work Life. So I think she has to be next. Also, she unmuted herself. Yeah, I would agree with Heyman that there's a lot more going on. I highly recommend that you read or just go online and look at Half the Sky. The book's called Half the Sky by Nicholas Kristof. Um, and he really gives a beautiful global context as to what's actually going on. Now, you hear an accent. I'm Danish, right? So I was brought up in Copenhagen. I, I'm, I'm Danish and Canadian. And we're all over the world in this with 68 different associates all over the world. But, you know, Scandinavia has been focused on gender equality for over 40 years you know my my great-grandmother worked you know was a professional right uh although when you look at representation in senior management it's pretty close to the same as it is in the u.s right canada is actually much better off uh, in, in in terms of gender equality when it comes to you know uh different levels except level right so the, the average, global average is 20 percent right so i think what yeah, happened so I, during covid barbara what happened during COVID to uh, to women, or didn't Scandinavia close their schools? 
Some, some, Sweden did not close their schools. Denmark did close their schools and Norway did as well. But there's been a huge, I actually am just writing, I think you know, Francine, an HBR article on this. There's a huge impact, you know, the pandemic has had on women, working women, in particular working mothers, right? We've really gone back 50 years when it's come. And I was just talking to a client, actually a Canadian client, one of the big banks, this morning, and they told me that uh, they've done a survey and they said that 45% of their women and are considering not returning to to them and this is one of the best best places to work right so women are really and we just finished 82 focus groups on this for women and women are really reevaluating everything you know and wanting to have uh, move behind move beyond the business as usual to really have work-life harmony and have much more of a hybrid you know self-empowering type of uh, workplace and then a way of working because they've really discovered that they can actually do that. They can actually have the kids and work hard, you know, at home and create the productive, you know, produce the results. So there's a big, big paradigm shift happening right now that we're figuring out, you know, launching a, a whole program around returning to work and how we can figure that out. But the latest thing I've, I've, I've heard about, I don't know if you heard of it, this, this is called off ramp economy. I don't know if anybody has anything to contribute to that. Sorry, I'm a little low on battery, so I'm going to charge it up. I'll just pause for that. Okay, I, I don't know what that is, but I would really like to know. So go find I'll it. Get, I'll, get you go the, find I'll get you. I'll get back to Go plug in. Jules? Did you want um, uh, Yes. I'm gonna, I just, I'm, I'm in a location, I'm not sure if it's going to come across well, but um, I just wanted to, to mention about um, paradigm shift, which kind of shocks me. I just recently read that um, 60, right now, 60% of college graduates are actually women. 59.5, I think it was 4% of college graduates are now women, and it's down to 40% men. There's a huge shift going on with higher education and that men are deciding not to pursue higher education. And the biggest group that is falling behind are actually white men. It's white men that were responsible um, for something like a 30% drop in the past 50, 30, uh, 20 years of graduating. And, you know, I personally feel that it's the backlash because of the advances that women are starting to see in the C-suite and in, um, you know, higher levels of government and business where we are seeing um, why we're seeing kind of things happening with abortion in Texas and this more aggressive stance because I think that, you know, the, the ruling class being white men are seeing that their power is eroding. And if they look at the younger generation, it's only going to get worse and worse with every passing year. So is the answer to that to just take your bat and ball and go home? Absolutely not. Women need to get very organized. I mean, I think it's important. I think a really also another really important point that you know we have to address is what um, a woman just said was with regards to religion. Because um, you know, if if you look at where these women that are voting, um, it does tend to be um, you know predominantly very religious. Um, parts of the community um, that are that are really pushing pushing us back. Oops. Elijah, do you have a different perspective on any of this? Hi Dr. Francine, how are you? 
I'm good. And I, I don't want to uh, put you on the spot, but do you have a different perspective on this? Well, I definitely believe in a woman's right to choose. That is just like a given. And um, I haven't investigated what, uh, like, you know, I've kind of like um, been involved in my own content and not so much in the news. But I will say that um, in in a short, it's fucked up what's going on down there. And (laughs) um, I don't know what I can personally do about it. and it's it's weird because I also know that I live, you know, somewhat in, from a place of privilege. I live in places like D.C., New York, and, you know, the Bay or Los Angeles. Like, there's a lot of things that won't happen in these places. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I, I, I have nothing but compassion for those folks who, um, you know, believe in something else and are being forced to, um, you know, have their bodies regulated in such a way. Um, it's pretty disgusting to me. And uh, yeah, I'm done speaking. There's not much more I could say, really. Okay. I'm I'd like ca- to remind everybody that, you know, nobody in this country is forced to give an organ to somebody else. I don't have to give my kidney to you. If you are dying, I do not. Nobody makes me give up my kidney, even, even after I am dead. But we can force a woman to to use her body the way we choose. That's insane. Well, it, it, it seems insane to me. Beth, did you want to say something? And then and I, I want think, to get and, to Courtney. And the we he's speaking of is men. You know? And I'm sorry. I just I had to just say that. Because the we is men. But also and women white, too, right? white men mostly. But huh? women, women as well, unfortunately. I mean, not unfortunately, but it's it's a choice they make. They say that you know some of these supporters on the the anti side are also majority women, right? A lot of religious women, women. religious women, right? For whatever reasons, but that's so. That's why I just wanted to point that out with the stats wise. Sorry. Yeah, let's get Beth in here. Hey guys, I just want to jump in real quick. I'm about to clock into work in a minute here, so. Uh, just briefly, my name is Bessie Pascarelli. Um, I'm a mother of three children, now a divorced parent. So every single one of these laws and policies and COVID and all of this crap going on um, has directly impacted me so many in so many ways. I'm in Hawaii, which is pretty liberal as though, but I just want to say my pets now have more rights than women in Texas. I feel that the U.S. is going so far backwards in time. We're going to be on par with the Middle East pretty soon. It's It just blows my mind that this is happening. Not only are we restricting abortion rights, this is actually like a vigilante law where um, people are reporting women who are getting abortions and reporting providers. That, to me, is almost the more dangerous part of what was passed. Not to mention the fact that we had we they have a governor there that is just the statements he has said are so idiotic. It blows my mind that he is actually a governor. And I look around and I look at all these politicians and I think, how in the hell did they get elected? Who Who is electing these people? How is this even possible in 2021? His statements about rape are just 
laughable in the sense that we all know that, you know, you can't just go round up rapists off the streets as if that's a thing. Um, if he knew anything about rape stats, mostly it happens from people you know, unfortunately, date rape, family members, incest, all kinds of horrible things. But that's the reality of it. Um, not only that, but the marginalized people in society are the ones that are going to be disproportionately impacted. Those that are of means can go fly to another state and have their abortion. I also saw um, governor of South Dakota, female, I can't think of her name right now, is trying to restrict access to the morning after pill, which if you ask me is a much more uh, gentle procedure, if you will, it's not even a procedure. It's a much more humane way of dealing with a possible pregnancy scare, um, considering you have to take it within 72 hours after, you know, possible pregnancy. And, you know, there's nothing even really happening at that time. Another thing that is crazy about um, Governor Abbott is the six weeks, his concept of six weeks is he's thinking six weeks after you get pregnant, but it seems pretty clear that some males in society don't realize your pregnancy actually starts before a sperm hits the egg. Your pregnancy starts about two weeks before that based on where you are in your cycle and everything. So literally you have like four weeks from the time you know you're pregnant to procure an abortion, you know, it's going to be impossible because one, there's no providers that are going to provide it. And two, uh, you're not going to know that you're pregnant or it's very unlike women with, you know, irregular, uh, that just aren't going to know at six weeks. Um, it's you're just, rapist, it's so, it's know. so crazy. Like it blows my mind, but I do want to talk about the COVID blessing, if you will, it has exposed all these for women in the workplace. And I think we need federal reform for employment laws. We need more flexibility in the workplace for all employees, but especially for parents, whether male or female, but women disproportionately are the caretakers and we are at a disadvantage. I have so many gaps on my resume and like hiring managers in 2021 still think, oh, were you fired? No, I stayed home and I took care of my children and they're spread out in ages. So, you know, it's kind of not the, like, it's a piecemeal resume, you know? So it's so frustrating to try to explain these things. And especially when you want to focus on your skills for the job, not some arbitrary measure of what success is. Um, but I just think part of the problem or one of the biggest problems is our political system is just, it's broken. Like it's beyond broken. One, we don't have enough women in politics, but that alone won't solve it. Um, but we do need to have like 50% women in Congress. I truly believe that. However, as we all know, there's plenty of conservative women and it's true. They're generally very highly religious and that's fine, but I don't have a problem with that. But I do have a problem when they want to regulate what everyone else can do or not do. That's where I have a problem. Um, and so that's, that's it. I think we need to get away from this two-party system. It's it's literally dividing America in a very, very unhealthy way. And I think since 2020 and January 6th and all of that, it's, it's pretty obvious how broken it is right now. Bess, I love you. I'm so happy that you came. You obviously have been thinking for a long time and needed a place to say a lot of things that were on your mind. And I'm honored to be 
the provider of the place by making the room. Because, of course, you are correct about everything you have said, but it, it's very hard to... It's very hard to get people to even vote. I'm going, you know, like next week, I'm going to go into the what can we do about all of this, all of these things that I also notice are wrong. And 50% of people in the United States don't vote. And people all over the world who do vote think we are absolutely crazy because here we are supposed to be an exceptional democracy, and most of us don't even show up to claim our rights. And then we wonder why we are being run by minority rule. That's right. true. That's true. And I think a lot of that comes back to education and the problems we have, you know, in K through 12. It's a lot of systemic problems. And I don't think I actually know for a fact, a lot of it is intentional. There's, you know, oppression of the vote, it's happening. The gerrymandering is happening. I've studied, you know, the politics of all of this. And it's really disgusting what is happening and borderline criminal. And the fact that nobody is ever held responsible for any of this is what just is beyond infuriating. It's it's very hard, but I think that it is structural changes we need. I like the ranked voting idea, but another issue is people don't even know who they're voting for. They're just part voting party line. Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever, um, you know, but there, there's a lot of people that don't vote, but do you want someone to vote that doesn't even know who they're voting for? I mean, that's a danger as well. So as much as I want everyone to vote, I also want people to be educated and, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's time consuming to get involved on that level. And I think frankly, most people are just overworked and underpaid and stressed out and it's difficult. We don't make it easy for people. I'm going to find you and involve you, Bess. Uh, but I want—I want to—I uh, want to hear what Courtney has to say because he's been sitting here on stage through the whole time. Uh, thank you. I think this is a pretty profound uh, topic, and the first thing I would like to say is address why is it so hard to level the playing field for women? Well, because the playing field was not created as a level playing field for women. They weren't even included on the playing field to be able to compete at the beginning of when it was created, which by the way, has been centuries and centuries. And the creation of the playing field has then been supported by the creation of these institutions and laws and politics to support the founding uh, essence of what that institution is. So what we find ourselves in is in a place where women are not equal. Women do not have that level of opportunity. And if they go up against it, right, the, all the institutions and all of the things that have been created to support the original idea is in place to stop them. And, and this is critical and it's ugly. Uh, you know, everybody was talking about their different things. I recently saw on HBO, right, the, the uh, LFG documentary, which everybody should watch, which is about the women's U.S. Olympic soccer team uh, and how they've been discriminated against. And they went up against the issue of equal pay. And it is just unreal. But they really you really see it as they layer back these major issues around 
what, how, what happens when a woman tries to go up against the system to be on a level playing field. And it's just, it's ugly because the playing field isn't made like that. So it's the institutions that have to change. It's the, it's the politics that have to change. It's everything along the lines that have to change, which are still supported by many of the, the men who are, are fighting that every step along the way. And by the way, this is a global issue, right? The rights for women globally, it's, it's even like, you know, a thousand times worse than what you see in the United States. I've traveled the world, different regions of the world, and it is ugly once you get out of the West context because women in those cultures have zero rights. So, you know, these are the challenges and these are the reasons why these things happen. And if you don't mind me making an observation, because I think Bess brought up also, as many of you brought up the point about politics, right? How the system is sort of somewhat rigged towards certain votes. I'm just wondering what else is being done behind the scenes? It's always the case when we have an election doom uh, coming up because apparently Abbott's going to run for a third term in 2022. That's next year. Um, I'm wondering whether this is all sort of uh, a play to get rally up the troops sort of thing or just, you know, scare tactics. Um, sort of to get, forget about the other issues. He's actually failed in a lot of things. I, a lot of people are using the women's, you know, the abortion issue or some of these key, uh, you know, firebrand issues as maybe cover for something else that they're doing. I'm wondering whether this is also a way to divide and conquer, it seems, in U.S. elections and even in Canadian now, it seems. Hey, man, I couldn't. This is Barbara speaking. Francie, may I comment? I couldn't agree more, Heyman, with what you're saying. Can you hear me okay? I'm having a little low reception. You can no, you're hear me good. okay? Yeah, you're good. Just don't move anywhere okay, else. So there's <laughs> so many. Okay, I'm standing right here. So there's so many blind spots, right? That that have, and I agree with you on that. On that, you know, there's an agenda, and and there's the derailers, and the abortion thing is all about derailing Abbott and not paying attention to all his failures and his track record, right? Mm-hmm. But I also want to talk about blind spots because this whole thing on equal pay and Courtney, what you shared was phenomenal and best. You're a breath of fresh air. So thank you for being here. Um, is that we make assumptions on women that are, that are false. And, and an example of an assumption. So we do this gender quiz, right? And we test people's assumptions. And what, so we ask true or false or A, B, C, D. So one, one, one thing we ask all over the world, how long do women stay in the paid workforce, right? You know, zero to 10, you know, 10 to 15, 25 or more, something like that. And uh, they always say either A or B. They never say C, but on an average in North America, Europe, parts of Europe as well, women stay on an average, working women stay on an average 34 years versus men 37 years, right? And this includes part-time, which I think is as valuable as full-time from my perspective, right? But we need to dispel these blind spots out there because we are making these assumptions. And also back to best point, thank you for bringing it up. In Texas, rapes, nine out of 10 are done, are, are being committed, that crime horrendous crime is being committed by family members or within your own community. And, and then right? that person gets the bounty if the, if the rapey tries to have an abortion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and also I want to, so many women cannot afford to raise children, you know? So and it's not just, you know, women who are raped, but women who I, I got, I have, I have children. I have four that I gave birth to, and I have three bonus children. But I, two of my pregnancies, I was on the pill. 
it was a complete shock to me that I was, I mean, I had them, right. But it was, it, I was a single mom, you know, when I, when I was, was already separated, you know, it was in the last one, super tough. Right. But I chose to do that. You know, was, was it operated out of guilt? Probably, you know, but then I have a sister in Denmark who's had like seven abortions, which I think is a complete horror. Right. I think she should really take care of preventing pregnancies. Right. That's the extreme. So I don't want to bring that in. It's a very extreme and very low percentage does that. But I really think we need to get out of this trance. Right. And uh, political trance, religious trance and bring a bigger context to this and remove these assumptions and blind spots. And that's it for me for now. Thank you. And also remember the whole Freakonomics. Um, uh, they brought up the idea that you know, they looked at the stats and there's a book called yep. Freakonomics yep. by Stephen Levitt. Right. And they looked at where, why research showed that there was a link between legalization of abortion in 1973 and the drop in violent crimes in the 1990s. The authors claimed that many of the additional children who would have been born annually if abortion had remained illegal would have been at a high risk for engaging in violent crimes. The authors concluded that women with the right to choose abortion tend to make good decisions. And I think the question is also, it's funny that the people who are also supporting uh, police and all this other stuff and want crime reduced are the same ones who are not looking at the stats. Um, thoughts? Yeah, my, my thoughts are, but I, I want to go on to Nzinga, um, and then I'll give you my thoughts. I have thoughts around this because I was a foster parent. But Nzinga, you've been waiting for a long time. I hope that's how to say your name. No, actually, it's not, beloved. It's Nzinga. <clears throat> So, I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, so my, you know, I'm coming in and out. So I've been hearing a little bits and pieces. Um, Best said a mouthful. I don't necessarily agree with everything that she said. Um, Sir Courtney, I agree with a lot of what you said. But, you know, from a Black woman's perspective, and I clearly am the only one up here on this panel, um, so I'm not going to be, I'm not going to dance around the subject matter. So if white women are hurting, then black women are dead in all of this. It is your, your patriarchy, your white male patriarchy that are making the decisions. And you, white women, are giving birth to these men and nurturing them and raising them. So to be surprised by any of this it, it really behooves me all the time uh, like why are you surprised you know who you raised you see them every day you see their behavior but what was indicative to me uh, during the trump administration was how many women actually white women actually came out and revealed themselves and their thoughts and I ideology um, it was surprising to me, you know, to most black women, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, this is not news. We we come together, white women and black women and, and other women of color, under the umbrella of abortion rights, women's rights. And then after we kind of get what we want, then we go back to our respective corners and we don't socialize thereafter, not authentically. Um, when the suffragette movement happened, there were no black women that were involved in that. 
In fact, when the meetings were happening, it was black women who were probably serving tea at the meetings. They were working. So black women have always been working. Black women have always been the forefront of employment and and hard labor and and mothering and nurturing. You know, that's what slavery was for. So with that said, I'm going to yield. I want to hear, hear what you all have to say. I have to say, I wish there were more um, black women on the stage in Zynga, but I'm so happy that you came up here and said your piece because I've learned on Clubhouse over the past year and a half that it is, whatever it is for white women, it's much harder for black women and for Muslim women. And um, I'm getting completely back-channeled from Cheryl saying that um, the Singapore president is a woman, the CEO of the Sovereign sovereign Wealth uh, Fund is a woman, and that it's a meritocracy in Singapore. Um, And it's important for women not to allow anyone or anything to stop them from wanting to do or achieve what they want. Women have more options than men. And um, that was um, Cheryl's opinion. Again, that's from a privileged place, right? So also, I wanted to bring up something that... Yeah, but that, that, I hear what you just read and I heard that person, but that's not, you know, I'm speaking from a Black woman's perspective. How does that apply to men? And Nzinga, there's actually a good quote. I would like to speak. I I would like to speak on this as as a white woman raised in the South by wealthy white people. Um, And they didn't raise a bigot. Um, They kind of were bigots, to be honest. But I went the opposite direction. And I think that. What does that mean? And what does that look like? Well, I think that, you know, it kind of depends, you, you know, you because of just the people that raise you doesn't predetermine who you're necessarily going to be. No, it makes it. If you don't mind, Zinga, do you mind letting uh, Jules finish first? I think that it's really important that we have these difficult conversations because it's um, it is a really big problem within the so-called women's movement because we do have our respective corners, and I think that until we can, you know, really come together and recognize that. Even if you're born on third base with a full hand, life is hard as shit. And you do have to give back a little bit extra and you do have to work a little bit harder, but we have to be willing to have these conversations that are really hard to have. And, you know, especially these days, nobody wants to offend anybody. Everyone's so afraid to get in the arena and get dirty because, you know, we've all, you know, especially if you have a platform where you have a public um, job it's there's there's some repercussions that can come with it and i think you're absolutely right that white women are really what won the election for trump and it was really freaking annoying as a woman that owned a magazine for empowering women to sit back and watch white women elect trump and to both and of you Sorry. As a as a white woman, I just gotta say I am a white woman who absolutely was disgusted by Trump and would never have voted for him. Um, I also think it's a much starker religious divide than white versus black or any other ethnicity. Um, I think religion I mean, and anti orthodox in terms of Trump, but 
but as far as the abortion, it's definitely very strongly rooted in religion. Yes, but even within religion, there's racism. So, you know, we're we're not really addressing what's happening. See, because, you know, we, we're talking right now. This is surface. This is surface. But the real the real issues are are when you talk about survival skills and and uh, mothering and education and work, you really need to look at the black woman for these kinds of examples because we've been doing it longer. Yeah. We there was never any break for us as women. And Never. Th- not even not even by white women we, who were supposed to be our comrades in gender. I hate to say that, that but never I, there. I, I agree with mm-hmm. you, Nzinga. Mm-hmm. I really do. And that's one of the reasons why America is so screwed up, because the white women have forgotten that the black women are part of the larger pack category women. And I I do think that we, again, I've learned a tremendous amount on Clubhouse from some extremely powerful Black women about how powerful Black women are and can be. And actually, it, it was um, it was Black women who caused uh, Georgia to go for Democrats this, year, this election. And I'm grateful and I'm, you know, I, I don't know how to reach out um, more to to the Black women community than I already do. But okay. I was, a, I just want to wind it up here because I have a. Uh, oh wow, Dr. Fran is just suggesting the elephant in the room: white women, Black women. Well, yeah. There's also another element that, that you may want to consider is the fact that Faye Walton, who was the first Black woman to serve as president of the Planned Parenthood, right? And I think she pointed out another thing. The fact that she said that, uh, you know, Supreme Court decision once more slaps poor. This is back in 1989. Poor women with the, the remember, the key word is poor, right? Slaps poor women in the face and says you do not have the constitutional protections if your state sees fit to restrict them. And you do not have the resources to circumvent these those restrictions. I think one thing we have to consider is economic status. I think. I always talk about intersectionality, I, I, right? I was, I was just going to bring that up. Economic status is true. However, when, when Black women are put into these positions, right. let me be clear, Heyman, I don't know what your ethnicity is, but Black people have been used as placebos mm-hmm. in political positions. I mean, let's not dance around that. I agree. You know, we have been utilized as political pawns, mm-hmm. Um, My feeling is that Obama was a political pawn. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I did not vote for him just because I'm black did not mean that I was going to vote for him. And why I didn't vote for him, why I didn't vote for him, not because I don't agree with his politics, was because I knew that he was going to be the political fall guy for whoever was going to come afterwards. And I was Mm -hmm. clearly right. You sure you sure were. Um, and I was going to inject intersectionality into this because, again, to wrap up the room, and I think we may, might have to con- continue this uh, next week with white women versus black women. How can we get on the same page or something like that? 
Well, definitely take I, the verses out of the yeah. out of the category. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's verses, no, the verses. Yeah, I, I think verses. you know, and let and let me be clear about my position. I don't know you, ladies. I wish you all the best, but I I'm somebody who likes real conversation. White people have this this blind spot that you know, Jules. I don't know you personally. But if you came from a family of bigots, trust me, there's an area of you that that needs to work that out. Because if you live well, I have worked that, out. I have hold worked on that one out. second. Let let I don't like I said, I don't know you, beloved. So I'm not I'm not going to go there with you. But as, as the Bible says, you will know them by their fruit. What is the fruit? from this country towards black women and black people in general. If you all are crying for your children, then we have died for ours because ours are laying bodies on the streets daily, not because they felt like going away or because they took a trip, but because they were murdered. And now you add on top of it, eugenics, and these programs that are put into black communities where where women black women are having abortions exponentially not more than white women because according to statistics we're still 13% of this country which has been 13% for centuries now which i really don't understand the math on that um you know this way of existing, we've got to start telling the truth and looking at it for what it is. Hold on one second, if you would. I just want to say one thing, PTR. And Jules should uh, have a chance to respond to that too. Sorry. So I I would just... Okay, for the PTR. So I just want to say, too, I think that we all make judgments. We all have a certain amount of racism in us. There are assumptions that you make about white people. You made a lot of assumptions about a whole swath mm, of women. No, I actually have But I think both we have to recognize both that we're not going to solve this yeah. in two minutes. And I, I, I have another meeting. And, and if I'm I could pull this gonna, back globally, uh, too. I, I want, yeah, I want to um, just say that one way that I learned about how complicated this topic is, is that I was a foster parent. And Zinga, I lived in in a wealthy white enclave, and I took some uh, kids to lunch, and it turned out that they, um, that their parents were drug addicts, and I brought them into my home. And I kept them there and I'm still friends with them and I'm still helping them. And they are not black. They are white because in in Arizona, most of the population is either white or Hispanic. And, and the thing that I learned from being a foster parent is that the economic issues and the love issues the love and care when you are zero to five um, issues transcend the race, the economics, the color, the everything. Because this is a, the, the, the women who 
have children that they don't want to care for, that issue transcends everything. And when these unwanted ch children grow up, it doesn't matter what color they are, they, they typically grow up with that, that lack of love it, and they are unable to give out that kind of love into the world. And I, I learned that from my foster parenting and I wanna end this on a positive note. And I want that positive note to be more of, we get back what we give out. And I understand there's a lot of anger in the United States, but if we keep, and why I cut both Jules and you off is, is because if you keep going long enough, each of you will be angrier and angrier because you're misunderstood and you'll be giving out the vibe mm -hmm. that will get you back more anger. And that's what I don't want to have happen in this room. I, I want to, I want everyone to give out at least the best attempt that they can make at love and understanding in the hopes that we will, we will get it back. And I, I hope you'll pardon me because um, I'm 80 and it's, and I, um, I choose to do this to make the world a better place, not a more divisive and angry place. And I like the conversation so, part. And I think you'll, I think what I've found is a lot of people have a lot more commonalities than they realize because it's, I think what happens is the media and the politicians tend to divide us more uh, among our fears and along our divisions, like our, you know, what div divides us versus what actually unites us. And that's, I think, something that will be interesting to talk about in the future as well. Right. I'm going to end the room now. I want to thank all of you for coming. It's, um, it makes me um, feel like I should keep doing this and we should have more conversations and the conversations can get below the surface um, and, and people can come together. And, and Zynga, I love you. And Jules, I love you. And I, I look at both of you as two women doing the very best they possibly can. And I want to- I appreciate you as well. Francine, we love you. Thank you for doing we this. Love you. We will we'll join you in this. Thank you. See you Thank next you, week. Dr. Francine. It's Elijah. I just Thank want to you. let you know that if you want to, I would love to craft a room um, and just make sure we have the right uh, temperature at all times for ne the conversation. Next, next week. <laughs>